the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the Town Hall Review Podcast, where we bring you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Our podcast is brought to you through partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece you're truly hosted, and I hope you will enjoy. Matthew Continenti is with the Washington Free Beacon. He's one of the very best columnists available in America. He's also, like me, the occasional designated um, punching bag on Meet the Press. I always, I always like watching him, Matt. You do it like I do, which is just keep smiling and get your point across. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, Hugh. Thanks for having me. You're absolutely right. Just kind of keep a straight face and you'll survive. You'll survive. Kachuk runs a fair game, even if everyone around you is losing their heads. Chuck will give you your fair your at-bats. Matt, I want to talk to you about impeachment. I have read from cover to cover the trial manager's brief on Saturday night, and then I read their statement of material facts. I don't think they meet a de minimis standard for an impeachable offense. Have you had a chance to read it yet? And if so, what do you think? Well, let's say I've read in it, uh, but and what I saw in it in, in it is very reminiscent of the arguments that they made, of course, during the House debate. I agree. I don't think that the actions uh, they believe President Trump took amount to an impeachable offense. Um, they may be they may have been inadvisable. They may have been inappropriate, but they certainly don't reach the heights of uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. So let's talk specifically about why I came to that conclusion. They opened their trial brief by saying, you know, the strongest thing, the president interfered with a foreign government to encourage their interference in an election. And everything after that is 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 in defense of that statement. They're talking about the 2020 election. Is Do you agree with me that they're talking about the 2020 election? Well, that's it, it, actually kind of funny because sometimes I think all of this has to do with the 2016 election and the Democrats' inability uh, to not only get over that election, but also uh, their disappointment at Robert Mueller's findings that there was no conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia. So, well, I think the briefs are dealing with the 2020 election. All of this, the background, is, remains the 2016. Well, I think, I think you're exactly right. But I think that the Democrats have purposely conflated, and I mean intentionally and purposely, in every appearance in their brief, 2016 and 2020, because it's legitimate for the president, based on the Politico investigation of January 11, 2017, to worry about what Ukraine did to our election. It's legitimate for a president of the United States to worry about whether or not Ukraine was rooting for Hillary and trying to get her elected. That's legit. It's not legit to say Ukraine helped me beat Joe Biden. So they conflate the two. But here's the interesting part, Matt. When you go to the statement of material facts, I'm going to lawyer geek out on you here. Uh, if you go to paragraph 73 of the statement of material facts, they cite a text from Volcker, Ambassador Volcker, who everyone agrees is the smart guy in the room on all this stuff, to Yarmick, who is Zelensky's right arm, saying, if the Zelensky will promise to investigate 2016, he'll get his meeting. I don't know why the Democrats included that. It's it's contrary to their whole theory that it's all about 2020, but it does seem to me to be 
anything and everything that a Republican needs to dismiss. Right. I mean, what it, all of this goes to uh, President Trump's uh, state of mind. If he was interested in what happened in 2016, that seems to me fully reasonable for the president to want to get to the bottom of what was happening here, especially at the upper levels of the FBI and the CIA. And that means, this is we've seen with the Durham investigation, that you're going to have to go to foreign countries since, since they were involved in the intelligence gathering. So I, I think more broadly, Hugh, once you get to the level of detail, as, as your lawyer geek uh, was citing, uh, most Americans have simply tuned out. And I, I think that's another source of democratic frustration, which is, Again and again, they've tried to move the needle on impeachment with, uh, with briefs like the ones they issued over the weekend, like this last-minute press conference that Schumer tried to uh, hold or, or did hold uh, yesterday in the middle of the NFC championship game. I don't know how many people were paying attention to that. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> they failed to move the needle. And so I think that's what Republicans are really going to say at the end of the day. The Republican senators are going to say, look, where we are, what, 10 months now away from an election, let the people decide. The Democrats have failed to make their case. Now, uh, do you believe that they're going to get there without witnesses? Because one of my sources in the Senate says it looks like Senators Romney and, and Collins are committed to witnesses. I just think they're too smart for that. Uh, you know, Mitt Romney's a lawyer. He wasn't didn't practice. Susan Collins on the Kavanaugh hearing got every lawyer in Maine to come down and brief her, plus some con law experts. They both are very, very smart. I think they will see that this will hurt the presidency. Yeah, I thought uh, Senator Collins' statement was very interesting. It seemed to suggest she would want to call for witnesses, but it also allowed her some room, um, depending on what they hear in the coming week. Uh, I, think, I think the Kavanaugh parallel is important for a variety of reasons. One is we're seeing the same uh, Democratic media strategy that they used during Kavanaugh, which is at critical moments, uh, just kind of flood the zone with negative information, negative headlines. And the Parnas docu- document dump on the day that the articles were transmitted was an example of that. I wouldn't yep. be surprised if we have more just kind of um, salacious material and kind of, uh, you know, uh, high voltage headlines uh, right before they take the first votes for witnesses, which should come uh, after the managers uh, make their opening arguments. Uh, but th- what the Democrats forget, Hugh, is that the way in which uh, the Kavanaugh scandal played out actually caused Republicans to rally together, right? Yes. Um, it, Republicans had this uh, reaction to the unfairness and kind of the cynicism of the Democratic media game, where you just kind of smear people with these charges, uh, the allegations that were count, not actually the facts. Um, and so that actually led to Susan Collins voting for Kavanaugh. So I I do think things are very much in play. Let's not also forget, the Democrats need four Republicans to side with them to call call witnesses. So let's say, hypothetically, you have Collins, you have Romney, you have Murkowski. Well, you still need another one. And I think that's a pretty high bar for Chuck Schumer. And I don't know that they've lost Manchin and Doug Jones yet. I really don't. I, 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 I do believe that they are playing with fire here. And that they are going, they just like Kavanaugh, they did not understand. The American people are smarter than they think. Let me turn to the primary. Matt, I got burned yesterday by Elizabeth Warren supporters because I announced, matter-of-factly, when I was asked by Chuck, I'm going to vote for Bernie Sanders this week because Virginia allows 
absentee early voting in person, and I don't know where I'm going to be on March 3rd, so I'm going to go down in the open primary and vote for Bernie. Because it's not strategic voting, because if I was doing that, I'd vote for Elizabeth Warren. We can beat her like a bobo doll. I mean, really, I think Donald Trump can beat Elizabeth Warren in all three of the key states tomorrow and every day until November, because she wants to take away union health care. So I'm going to go vote for Bernie Sanders. So that was one endorsement. But last night, the New York Times did their big reveal. And seven hours ago, they revealed they are endorsing both Klobuchar and Warren, which is an endorsement. It's a stunt to get clicks. What did you think of it? (laughs) And eyeballs, too, because they have a show on uh, the FX channel where I think they debuted this dual endorsement, which is a first. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a newspaper endorsing two candidates in the same contest. Um, I, the New York Times is, is, is pretty funny. Um, my favorite line that jumped at me from the endorsement is where they called Senator Warren a gifted storyteller. <laughs> and they meant it as a compliment. I but, missed that. I missed that. That's the way that I read it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it was nice for Klobuchar, who, um, you know, is a very impressive senator, but I don't think has any chance in the primary. And Warren, it's fascinating to see that Warren is come, kind of comes down as the more establishment choice in the kind of, you know, socialist, um, let's remake capitalism lane. And so the New York Times couldn't quite bring itself to embrace Bernie, but they still wanted the leftmost candidate. I thought that was revealing. Um, you're right, though. Um, Warren probably uh, would be an easier opponent for, for Trump. Um, but, you know, Hugh, it is risky to, to embrace Bernie because I know a lot of Democrats did that with Trump in 2016. And, and look what happened. Yeah, but I'm not doing it strategically. I, you know, right. Trump has to win. I'm doing it because I would like to have America presented with a very clear choice between free markets and socialism. And Bernie does have energy at the grassroots, which is astonishing. It's like Donald Trump's energy with his people. Uh, He's got dedicated young people who will knock on doors like Howard Dean did. But he's the real deal. He wants to spend $30 billion on on the Green plan, the new Green Deal, not $10 billion or $5 billion or whatever billion that Elizabeth Warren wants. He wants to redistribute income. He's the real deal, Matt. I'd love to see a real deal socialist up against free market Donald. And I think that's a, that's a um, contest the Trump campaign believes they can win as well. You know, I mean, starting last year, President Trump has often used that line on the stump where he says America will never be a socialist country. Socialism continues to be much less popular than capitalism overall in the American mind. Um, so I think the Trump campaign would feel confident. Though, you know, like I say, there's this kind of this, this risk factor with Bernie. And Bernie is a man of his convictions. Unfortunately, those are, those convictions, you know, haven't changed since the collapse of the Soviet Union. No, they haven't. Ninety-one. I just I just wish Bernie could kind of uh, read a history text. No, he's he's got a thought. So here's the question uh, to wrap up, Matt, and I hope you keep coming back throughout 2020. Uh, as we get closer to November, do you think we'll be talking about the impeachment at all? Oh no, not at all. Unless unless you and this is something I allude to in my latest column that I saw you tweeted out. They do it again. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's more activity, um, maybe not leading to a second impeachment vote this year. But certainly if President Trump is reelected, which is, you know, better than 50-50 in my book, um, I think he will be the first president to impeach, to be impeached more than once, just because the Democrats have no other way 
to respond to President Trump, uh, except to investigate, condemn, and criminalize politics. Well, let me uh, let me revise and extend my question remarks. Then, uh, if they, in fact, if that becomes a widespread fear, doesn't that incline Republicans to a quick dismissal of these charges in order to set a precedent to discourage this House and this Democratic majority from being reckless again? Yes, I think if you vote to call witnesses to extend this uh, investigation into the Senate trial to conflate the two, then you're legitimizing the process that brought us here. And I think that will be a powerful argument that uh, Leader McConnell will make to his conference and could very well be why uh, the trial will end for the State of the Union. Matthew Continetti from the uh, Free Beacon, thank you. Always a pleasure to have you on. Go follow Continetti on, and it sounds just, you know, it's going to be hard for the Steelers fans to spell that, but Continenti, there are two T's at the end, C-O-N-T-I-N-E-T-T-I. Did I get that right? Probably not. Continenti. Uh, you'll find him, and you ought to be reading him every single day. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, where they're preparing leaders for the public square. Application deadline for fall classes is June 15th. It might be the right step for you or a recent college graduate in your life. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. This is Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. The people of Taiwan have just re-elected incumbent President Tsai Ing-wen to another four years in office. It was a resolute expression of democracy just under 100 miles from mainland China, in a place where freedom has flourished in the shadow of authoritarianism. The recent protests in Hong Kong were a catalyst for the incumbent president, who rode warnings about China's increasing desire to impose regional hegemony to a resounding victory. Taiwan is a trusted ally of the United States. Our people share a love of freedom, a belief in the rule of law, and an understanding that free markets and free people are fundamental to a flourishing society. Taiwan's election reaffirmed the desire of its people to draw closer to the West and to the United States in particular. And our leaders should do what they can to ensure that the U.S.-Taiwan relationship remains strong and vibrant for years to come. I'm Lon He Chen. Alliance Defending Freedom. Protecting Religious Liberty. Check the ad at townhallreview.com.